Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's chapter is Mark chapter 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages, teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet, as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, He is Elijah. And others said, He is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When, For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give to me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. 
And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and, and of the fish. All those who ate, the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea, he meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret, and moored at the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many touched it, were made well. This is the word of the Lord. So the text begins with Jesus traveling back to Nazareth, to the town where he was raised by Joseph and Mary. And there's astonishment. The people cannot believe what has returned to them, who this man has become at this point. And so they ask some good questions, right, in verse 2 and verse 3. And you can turn these questions to your kids. See if your kids can answer the questions that the crowd is asking. Where did this man get these things that he's teaching? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and, and so forth? Your children can, by and large, answer those. You can talk about them as a family together. God is the one who has given him these things. God is the one who has given him the authority, the wisdom, the ability to heal. It is because he is God. And that's where, again, the text itself, the gospel is moving in that direction to that, that recognition of that, that beautiful fact that he is the Son of God. But it doesn't happen yet for another nine chapters. 
The sad turn of events is at the end of verse 3, after they've asked all these questions, they take offense at him. Instead of believing in his miracles and, and what he's teaching them, they reject him. That's a, a sad reality, but it's the truth of, of what happens, not just in his hometown, but happens all over the place. Even today, it still happens. That the, the word of God is heard and rejected by, by those who hear it. Jesus responds to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. So this is now the second time in the, the book that we have had the indication from Mark of the really the faithlessness, the unbelief in Jesus' own family as they thought he was crazy before and tried to come and, and take him away from the crowd. And now they simply do not believe. In verse 6, he marveled because of their unbelief. The Lord is, is grieved by it, without a doubt. And he simply leaves. He goes among the villages teaching. He also sends out the disciples here. He sends the twelve out in pairs, so six pairs of two, and he gives them the authority to heal and to cast out demons. In verse 8, he, he sends them with nothing. Why? They are to be cared for by the people that they serve. So as they go into one village and they go to the next, they're supposed to go around and find a family that will welcome them into their home, that hospitality. As they receive them into their home, they're going to care for them. But as they receive them, they also receive Christ. They receive Christ's word. If they're willing to have the disciples in their home, they're going to hear this, this gospel proclamation that Jesus has come to bring. If they're not willing to receive them, they're not going to hear that good news. And so for those towns, the disciples are supposed to essentially insult them, even to shake the dust off of their own feet, um, as that town is not worthy of the gospel at that point. And so they do. They do what the Lord has given them to do. Uh, they proclaim the good news. They, they, they bring about the message of repentance, just as John the Baptist had, and Jesus has preached as well. They cast out demons. They heal the sick. And it's interesting that they heal the sick by anointing with oil. That's different than what we see of Jesus in, in the work that he does. Um, it is a practice that has continued in the church for a couple of thousand years especially in the Roman Catholic Church, and I would guess the Eastern Orthodox Church as well. Uh, this is a regular thing that they do. We don't see it as much among Lutherans, although I, admittedly there is a rite of, of this in the pastoral care companion. So when I go and visit somebody who's in the hospital um, or a shut-in or something of the like, I have a little book that has prayers and scriptures and even a couple of services uh, that I can walk people through as we gather together in those places. And it does have something to do with, with oil for the healing of the sick. So that's one I'll probably have to look into more myself. Then we get the interlude, this account of what's going on with the governing authorities as King Herod learns of all that Jesus is doing, and he's afraid. I mean, the people around him are, are making similar suggestions to what others are thinking. You know, who is this Jesus? What's going on here? Oh, he, he must be a prophet. Maybe he's Elijah, the prophet. Maybe he's John the Baptist raised from the dead, and that's why he can do miracles. Um, I mean, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to us. 
but Herod comes to the conclusion that that's the, the case, that he is John raised from the dead, come back to haunt him for killing him, which is interesting. I mean, it's a superstition here going on, almost like ghosts or something like that, because resurrection just isn't normal. King Herod's not a Jew, so he doesn't even have the Old Testament to fall back upon, in which there were a couple of resurrection cases. But this just, this is unheard of. This is his, his, oh, his saddened mind, his, his broken mind, his paranoid mind that is deceiving him here. So what's, what's the issue with John the Baptist and Herod? Herod had wrongfully taken his brother's wife. It's not like Philip is dead. No, he, he simply stole his brother's wife. They had an affair and Herodias is now living with Herod instead of with Philip. That's not good. I mean, this is adultery, and this is a breaking of God's commandments, and they're continuing to do so. And John the Baptist was willing to call him out on it and tell him that he needs to repent of his sin and send Herodias back to her husband, essentially. And so Herodias doesn't want that, not at all. She's grudging against him. She wants him dead, but she can't touch him because Herod is protecting him. Herod has arrested him, but he's protecting him. He There's something to this, John. There's something holy about him that, that's, that Herod sees. And even though Herod doesn't want to repent, he still, as you see in verse 20, is willing to gladly hear John preach and speak to him. So Herodias's fear is that repentance was actually going to come. That if something doesn't happen to John, eventually Herod is going to put her away. And that means all the power that she has as, well, he's King Herod, so she's the queen to the king. All of her influence is gone. So that's her, her side of this. And then you get the, the party the celebration, the banquet, and Herodias' daughter dances, and the dance is a pleasing thing to the guests and to Herod himself. They greatly enjoy the performance. Some people like to make that performance more than what the Bible does. The Bible does not put a connotation to this dance. It's just a dance. That's all we hear. So this could be like a ballet, or it could be, you know, it could have been any kind of number of things. Uh, there's lots of different styles of dance, so I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But whatever it was, it pleased the guests and Herod. And so Herod is going to make a really foolish vow that he will give her up to half of what is his. And she immediately asks her mother, and her mother takes this opportunity to get rid of John. So she asks for John the Baptist to be killed, executed. And Herod goes through with it. Didn't want to break his oath in front of his friends, in front of his guests. The next section, Jesus feeding the 5,000. The disciples coming back from their journeys, needing rest, just as Jesus was often looking for rest. And yet another great crowd appears. Jesus continues to have compassion on these people. He teaches them, and he spends so much time teaching them that darkness is beginning to fall the disciples show concern for the crowd that they would be hungry and they instruct Jesus to send the people away so that they can get their food before it's too late. 
Markets don't stay open forever. Jesus instructs the disciples to give them food to eat. You can imagine if Jesus told you that, if, you know, you were supposed to host this crowd all of a sudden out of the blue, and they suggest it would take 200 denarii worth of money to, to get all the, the food needed to feed this crowd just with bread. Uh, 200 denarii. A denarius, denarius plural is denarii. A denarius is a day's pay. So this is 200 days pay. This is more than half a year's labor that they're estimating it would cost to feed this crowd. And so Jesus takes what little food they have, the five loaves of bread, the two fish, and in what mirrors the Lord's Supper, he offers it up before the Lord in heaven. He blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to his disciples. You can see the parallel there to the Lord's Supper. It's certainly there. The structure is. Um, and then it's given out. The disciples take it to the crowds. They eat and were satisfied. So this isn't just that, you know, they had a snack. And this is they were satisfied. They were filled. This is when you're done with Thanksgiving dinner and there's no more room for food. You're good to go for a while. You don't even have room for pie yet. You got to wait a couple hours for some pie space. They're satisfied. They don't want any more food. And yet they have 12 baskets full of leftovers, even though they started with less than that. That's the miracle that, that Jesus performs here. And he fed 5,000 men. That doesn't count the number of women and children. So significantly more than that even, possibly, that were fed that day. And then Jesus, the miracle of walking on water, is next as he sends the disciples ahead of him on the boat. He prays for a while on a mountain by himself, so he finally gets some of that alone time he's been looking for. And they're struggling on the sea, even though, again, many of them are fishermen in their, their trades, so they're used to this stuff. But they're struggling on this boat. And in the fourth watch of the night, the watch is from 6 to 6, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. It's divided into four equal chunks, so this is 3 to 6 in the morning, somewhere in that time period. Jesus goes ahead and he walks on the sea. He's just taking, you know, the, the quickest route from point A to point B is a straight line. Jesus is just taking the straight line to get to the next destination where he was going to meet up with the disciples. And he was just going to pass them by. That's an interesting note. Uh, and meet them the next day. But they see him and they're terrified. So instead he goes to them. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And as he gets into the boat, second time now the wind ceases just as it did when he stopped the storm before they're astounded they don't understand the loaves and their hearts are hardened you can talk to your children here about how the disciples are doing are they trusting in god are they believing that jesus is the son of god and by everything we have in mark's gospel the answer to that is really no they're not and this hardness of heart that's a tough saying, especially of Jesus' disciples, but it's God's word. It's true. Hardness of heart refers typically to unbelief. They're not there yet. They don't believe that Jesus is who he is. Um, and so we're going to keep seeing that, that tracking through the Gospel of Mark. Lastly, they arrive northwest of the Sea of Galilee in the, the place of Gennesaret. And Lots of healing takes place. Everybody recognizes him. They're running all over town to gather anybody that's sick, and they bring them to him for healing. So this continues on. 
and they even just implore to touch his garment to be healed. So that's something we've seen earlier in the book as well. So we had the healing of the woman in the previous chapter who, who just touched his garment. So we'll continue with some more tomorrow.